0: We'll begin right here, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bless you this day. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to open the word of God. Lord, we thank you for the spirit of truth. Lord, we pray for the spirit of truth. Just begin reveal truth to us this morning. Lord, I ask for that anointing, God, to be here today. It's that anointing, God, that changes our life. Lord, we need your anointing in us, Lord. That anointing, it cuts away. It cuts away what the world has brought upon us, Lord. It just creates in us a clean heart. And Lord, we need that anointing in our lives in these last days. And Lord, I pray for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for the anointing that we can hear and receive all that the Spirit of God is speaking to us today. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, Hallelujah. Well, you know, in John chapter 1, we're going to be coming up into this in verse Uh, number 10, John chapter 1, verse number 10, you know, there's power in how you receive the word of God. There's power in how you receive the word of God. In other words, you can hear things with your natural ear. You can even memorize something and keep it between your ears. But until you actually receive that thing to yourself and allow, I want you to know something about the word of God. The word of God is not like an encyclopedia Britannica. We used to have those when I was a kid, right? We didn't have Google. We had to pull out the encyclopedia. And it was just words. It's words and words and words and words and words. That's not the word of God. The Bible says that his word is quick and powerful. Amen. It causes dead things to come alive. Amen. And as you come to the word of God, the word of God will come to you. And if you treat the word of God like a newspaper or Encyclopedia Britannica, you're not going to get anything out of the word of God. But when you come to the word of God and receive it as it is, life giving word from the creator, it will create in you a living spiritual life. Amen. God will do something in you and so many of us today have a dead dormant walk with God because we don't come to God ready to receive we don't come to God ready to receive and I want you to know God changes lives I've been walking with God for 30 years I ain't seen anything new under the sun well I serve a God who makes all things new that's who my God is amen he makes everything new every day amen Amen. His gifts, His mercies, His loving kindness is new every morning. I want you to know God is good and He will make new things in your life today. Amen. But you've got to come to God with a heart to receive. You've got to come to God with a heart to receive. God never turns away a broken or contrite heart, but He turns away every proud heart. And a proud heart doesn't need anything from God. A proud heart will listen to words, but not allow those words to penetrate the soul. But I want you to know God wants to change lives. God wants to change lives. This morning in John chapter 1, beginning in verse number 10, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Speaking of Jesus, Jesus was, he came to the world. How many of you know he created this place. He created this place. And then he came to this place. Amen. This, we, we, we don't understand that. We can just accept it. Right? You can't understand that. He created the place and then he came to the place. We can't understand it. We accept it. Like you were saying. But the world didn't know him. How many people go to church and they don't know Jesus. I mean, how many people go to church, they sing the songs, and they dance the dance, and they they read the words, but they don't know the author? They don't know the author. I want to tell you, there's there's two things I really want to get across today. Stop short-circuiting the victory God has for you. And there's a deliverance that God wants to do in other people's lives. And we short-circuit that one as well. We've short-circuited the work that God wants to do. Look, God God is all-powerful, but he's chosen to use the church to operate in the earth. He empowers the church, but he has chosen the church to be the vessel he uses to operate in the world. And if you want to complain about the world, and I'll—look, let's complain— Right. If you want to complain about people being lost and look at all the ungodliness in our schools and look at our homes, look at the divorce rate in the church, look at the compromise, look at this. We need to sometimes take a step back and say, what am I doing about it? Am I allowing God to do all he needs to do in me to change me as much as I need to be changed so that I can be his operating partner in the earth today so that he can use me to speak a word in due season to someone and in other words can I say it like this we got to get prayed up before you even come to church amen when you come to church you don't need the worship team to say come on come on come on you need to do that in your prayer closet at home so that when you get to church maybe God wants to use you to speak a word to somebody who's discouraged or battling something amen but it's the same way in the world it's the same way in the world. God wants to use you, but sometimes we've got to take that step and, and allow God to use and do all that he needs to do in us so that we can partner with him in the world today. Because, look, we can complain about the world, we can complain about its condition, but I serve the God who turns worlds upside down. I serve the God who changes nations in one moment of time. I serve a God who will take the darkness and make it light. I serve a God who changes hearts. Amen. He changes hearts. Amen. You... You can complain, and you can start an email chain. You can do marches. You can uh, do a protest on Facebook. You can stop shopping at Target and Walmart. You can boycott. You can cry out. You can do all these things. But if God's not in it, nothing's going to change. We've got to get God in the situation. Amen? And, and look, we got to get God in this situation. I need God in this situation right here. And I need God in this situation out there. But we can whine, moan, complain, boycott, march, protest, but nothing's going to change until we get a hold of God and God gets a hold of us. What our nation needs, what you need, what your neighbor needs, what our churches need, we need to get a hold of God. Amen. We need to go to an altar and not be in a hurry. We need to pray and not have it on a time clock. We need to look, sometimes we need to get into the prayer closet and leave our list of wants outside it. And let God do what He wants to do in us. Maybe God needs to rearrange our want list. My dad used to tell me that. I said, Dad, I need this. I need this. I need this. He said, Son, there's a difference between need and want. You you think you need it. It's just your flesh. And so many times we have all these wants, and we want this, and we want that, and we want this, but we don't know that it may take us away from God. God's good. And he may be withholding certain things because he's doing a thing. Amen. God's good. We'll be talking about this on Friday night. Sometimes people equate dollars and promotions and jobs and fame and fortune with God's blessing. That's the very thing that Satan used to try to bring a temptation to Christ. I've got everything. Just bow down and worship me. You know how many people would bow down and worship the devil for all that stuff? Oh, then I can use it for good. I can can build a hospital. I can build a home for the poor. I can do this and I can do that. Now, let me get back in this. It says in verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. How many of you think the world still don't know him? Does the world know Jesus today? Who's been given the job to let the whole world know? Preach the gospel to every creature, right? I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the world. We've been given a job to let the whole world know. But the whole world don't know Jesus. It says the world knew him not. He came into his own and his own received him not. That's the word I want you to see. He came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God you see in order for in order for the power to change to take place in someone's life they have to receive Jesus you you cannot you cannot be changed by repeating someone else's prayer You cannot be changed by repeating somebody else's prayer. You can't be changed by getting someone else's orthodoxy. You can't be changed by catechism. You can't be changed by speaking this, declaring that. You have to receive Jesus to yourself. You have to say, that's 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 who I want. That's who I want. That's who I want. You have to receive him for who he is and who he says he is and say, that's my Lord. That's my Lord right there. Amen. You have to receive him to yourself. And, and until that happens, there will be no power for change. You'll have have a Pharisee faith, and you'll see in a minute, you'll have a Sadducee faith, but you won't have the total faith. You won't have the power of God for change. And I want to tell you, we serve in Christianity a God who changes lives. Amen? If you're in a a denomination or a church or you're in a a, a season right now where nothing changes, I want you to know you need to get a hold of God because even in seasons that, that that you don't like, God, still changes your heart he'll change your mind Amen. he'll change he's a God of change but you have to receive him it says in verse 12 as many as received him to them gave he power notice the order in order for power how many of you need more of God's power in your life or how, how many of you got everything together and you don't need God's help raise your hand if you got everything together and you don't need God's help okay so we need God's power we live in a fallen world. We live, we live in a house of flesh that has feelings and emotions. And if you don't stay connected with Christ, you're going to get off track. You need the power of God. And how, what, what precedes the power of God in your life? Receiving Christ. Well, I did that when I was 12. No, you need to receive him today. You need to receive him today. You need to receive him today, and we're going to get into the receiving part in just a second, but I want you to see that the the power of God is available after and only after you receive Jesus. And if you're still living your own life, if you're still making your own decisions, if you're still doing what you want, when you want, how you want, as much as you want, you're not, listen, you're not receiving Jesus. If he's not Lord of all, he's Lord, what? Not at all. He's got to be Lord of all. Amen. You know why? You know why so many people get off track is because they try to ride the fence. They, they get close enough to God. They'll go to church once a month or they'll go to, they'll do this. But then you know what? I also will do this and I also will do that. But you have to get to a place where Jesus is the Lord of your life. Where it's no longer about what I want, when I want, and how I want it. But I'm ordering my life. I'm ordering my life according to scripture. I'm ordering my life according to scripture. Why don't I do certain things? Because the word says this, this, and this. Right? Why do I go to church? Because the word says this, this, and this. Right? The word says don't forsake yourselves. Right? Assembling together as a manner of some is. But we're supposed to gather together even more as that day's approaching. Why do we gather together? Because Jesus told us to. We don't gather together so that we can, oh, who's here? Let's get your name down. Click, click, click. Who didn't, you know, we, it's not like that. It's not like that. Why do we have church? Because Jesus told us to. Amen. Why do we study the word? Because Jesus told us to. Why do we fast and pray? Because Jesus told us to. Why do we evangelize? Because Jesus told us to. Why do we, why do we live the way that we live? Because Jesus told us to. Well, you don't have to live all holy. Yes, I do. Why? Because Jesus told me to. Amen. I've done released lordship of this life. I'm no longer the Lord of my life. I've submitted that thing to God. I've died. I was buried with Christ. I was buried with him, and I was raised to new life. And the life that I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who lives in me. It is not I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And until we get to that place, we'll continue to keep putting our hand on the, on the steering wheel. How many of you know what it's like to have a backseat driver? Hey Amen. You know what it's like to have a backseat driver? You start turning. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh. I had to catch myself the other day because Sister Lindsay was driving. And I thought we were getting too close to other cars, you know, because you can't tell. I, don't, I never ride passenger. I never ride shotgun. And, and, and I thought we were just getting way too close. And I went, oh, oh, oh. But I didn't say anything, right? I, had to st- I caught myself because I'm like, you know what? She's got it. And you know, some, some of you in here, you need to let Jesus have the steering wheel. Amen. Isn't that a song, right? Jesus take the wheel, we'll stop taking it from him. Some of, some of you give him the wheel on Sunday morning and take it back on Sunday night. Some of y'all get, give him the wheel on, on Sunday but take it back on Monday. Jesus take the wheel for an hour. Give it back (laughs) at 12. (laughs) Amen. And you wonder why you don't have the power of God in your life. You wonder why? God's not asking you to go through the motions. God's real. His power is truly available. But we circumvent the process. We circumvent the process. In order for you to receive the power, you have to receive Jesus. You have to. He's got to be the Lord of your life. Turn in your Bibles with me to First Thessalonians, chapter two. Let's look over here and see what the Lord says. First Thessalonians, chapter two. I'll give you just a second to get over there as you turn in your in in your Bible. One of the things that that we see when it comes to receiving, it, it just simply means to take responding, being willing to order your life upon that word. You know, there was a time in my life when I, I, I knew catechisms and I knew doctrine, I knew theology, but I, I, I did not know Jesus as my Lord. You know what I'm saying? I didn't receive him as my Lord. I knew I should. I knew I should, but there were certain things where I just wasn't going to let him be my Lord. But until we get to that place where we receive Christ as Lord, then what we're doing is we're just continuing to take that steering wheel back every now and then, every now and then, taking that steering wheel back. I just want to tell you with all tender love and compassion that Jesus is a better driver for your life than you are. He loves you. He loves you and he'll bring freedom to your life. This morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, look at verse number 11 through 13. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 11 through 13, Paul said this, he said, As you you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, that you would walk worthy of God, who has called you unto his kingdom and glory. How many of you? That just seems too lofty, right? That you would walk worthy of God. Let's think about that for just a second. What does it mean for you to walk worthy of God? What does it mean for you to walk worthy of God? I'll tell you what it means. It means this. God did something in you. Paul's writing this to Christians. And, and, And God did something that he didn't have to do. God saved you when he didn't have to. He gave you new life when you deserve no new life. You deserve to, you, because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, we deserve hell fire. Amen. And hell fire will come upon all those that don't receive Christ. Amen. But the reality is this, is that as a, as a member of the body of Christ, as a Christian, you've been bought. The blood has been applied to your soul. Your sins, God has forgotten as far as the east is from the west. God remembers them no more. The blood washed you, cleansed you, and made you whole. They once were scarlet, but now white as snow. He has taken our sin and removed it from us. How many of you glad about that? And, and, And when he says to walk worthy of God, that means, you know what, Lord? You purchased me. You bought me. I was in bondage to Pharaoh. I was a slave to sin. I was a slave to self. Sin dominated me. But you set me free. Walk worthy of God. It simply means, Lord, you bought this life. You run this show. You bought this. It belongs to you. Amen. I'm not going to go somewhere I shouldn't go. Why? Because I've been bought. I'm not gonna, listen, I'm not gonna wear what I shouldn't wear. Why? Because I've been bought. I'm not gonna conduct my life the way I shouldn't conduct my life. Why? Because I've been bought. I'm gonna walk worthy of God. I'm gonna honor Him the way I eat, the way I dress, the way I talk, the way I drive, the way I live my life, the way I treat my wife. I'm going to order my life to please the one that bought me. Amen. And even when you're in bed at 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, and you don't think nobody's watching, God's watching you. You're bought even when you're on your bed. You're bought from the time you close your eyes to the time you open your eyes, to the times that you're alone and you don't think anyone's around. You're still purchased if you're a Christian. And you should live a life worthy of the god that bought you because he didn't have to god had every right to let you just keep on going to hell amen you know that phrase keep on keeping on keep on keeping on brother god had every right to let you keep on keeping on but god loved you and he sought you and he bought you therefore honor god with your life walk worthy Walk worthy. Amen. Nobody else may know how you treat your spouse. Nobody else may know how you treat your kids. Nobody else may know, you know, what you, what you wear over here, what you do over there. But God knows. And God has commanded you to walk worthy. Amen. Walk worthy. I don't know. That's a sermon in and of itself. We'll get there. But we got somewhere to get. Let's look at this next verse. It says, for this cause... Also, we thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. The word of God, here you go, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. I want you to see something here. Now, Paul commends the church because they received the word from the pastors and prophets. They received the word not as men, but they received it as it is in truth. Though it's it's coming from the throne of God. How many of you know that God speaks? Amen. Amen. God speaks. God speaks through his people. God speaks through his people. Listen, the Holy Ghost didn't, you know, manifest an arm and write the word of God. The Holy Ghost inspired men. He breathed through men the word of God. And he still speaks today. God has not gone deaf or mute. God still operates in our generation. We still live in the same dispensation that Paul lived in. We lived in the Holy Ghost dispensation. He got poured out at Pentecost and nothing's changed since then. Nothing's going to change until the trumpet sounds. Once the trumpet sounds, everything will be different, right? But from then to now, from then to now, we're in the same boat. We're in the same dispensation. Here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. It says right there in verse number 13 that you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. What did they do? They said, that's coming from God. And what happened when they received it? Paul said, "It's effectually worketh also in you that believe." the The word that I want you to see is that word "effectually." It represents this word. It means the power, uh, the power to produce a, an, a change. The power to produce a change. See, nothing's going to change in their life until they receive the word of God. I want you to get this. How many of you know people that are drunks? How many of you know people that are, that are homosexuals? How many of you know people that are battling depression? How many of you know someone that's battling illness? How many of you know someone that's battling, you know, uh, their, 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 their rage? They have a, a problem with anger, their temper, you know? The, the classic, I was just born this way, you've got to deal with it. How many of you know someone with a temper like that? Listen, there's power to change them. How many of you think you gotta that, that God can't change that? God can change anyone. God can change anyone. If, if, if he has to take someone, he did it to Nebuchadnezzar. He made him crawl around like an animal and eat grass. If God needs to do that, he'll do that to get someone's attention. Ah, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. You better watch how you talk about God. You might find yourself walking around like a cow eating grass. But the power's there, and I want you to know that, that we, we see a need. We used to have a phrase, see a need, feel a need. There's a lot of need around you. How many of you know there's someone in need of God's touch around you? How many of you know God wants to fill the need? And what I'm showing you today is there's there's an effectual power. There is an effectual power of God to change lives. I didn't change my own life. God did. You didn't change your own life. God did. When If someone's been liberated and set free, they didn't do it themselves. God did it. And the way God does it is when you receive his word, when you respond and take that word to yourself and hold to that word, there is an effectual power present to produce change in lives. And what our nation needs, what our church needs, what your family members need, what you need, what I need is the power of God to change us. It does no good to complain about this generation. Oh, these woke kids. Oh, they don't know what bathroom to use. Oh, they don't know this and they don't know that. Well, you know what? They're going to stay that way. You can keep complaining about it. You can keep making fun of them. You can keep joking about it. You can keep talking about it. You can try to, uh, you know, coddle them if you want. You can try to, you know, change around them and all this. Stuff. But nothing's going to change until the word of God comes to them. The word of God has to come to them and then they have an opportunity to receive it and thereby the power to change. But nothing will change outside of receiving the word of God. Well, I feel like a broken record. I just keep telling them and keep telling them and keep telling them. Well, one day they're going to receive it. Okay, you keep telling them. Amen. I ain't never seen a fisherman. Sometimes you go out and fish and you just, man, I hadn't caught a bite all day, but they keep casting, don't they? They keep throwing it out there till they get at least a bite. Amen. We used to fish we ain't going home till we get something. We gotta get something. Amen. And you know, it's the same way when you see people that are struggling, when you see people outside of God, when you see people that don't know the power of God, that aren't living in victory, that are living in defeat, living according to the world standard and not God's standard, you keep giving them that word, you keep giving them that word, pray over that word, let that word be anointed, because as soon as they receive that word, there's power to change lives. And look, I'm a believer in this right here. You see these altars? These, you see these altars, I don't care what they look like, but a church needs altars. But I'm a believer that that's where lives change. You can go down to the mayor's office and protest all you want, and you can, you can stomp your feet, and you can boycott this and that, but nothing's going to change until you get a hold of God, and then go take the word of God to people who need it. So this effectual power, I want to ask you a question. Do you have this effectual power in your life? How many of you, how many of you need more of the power of God? Amen. Amen. When we need the power of God, we need to go back to the word of God. Jesus said, you're going to worship God. You got to worship in spirit and in truth. The spirit is the change agent. The spirit is the power. But you got to get back to the word. You got to bu- This is what you got to receive and then the Holy Ghost empowers you. That's the way God operates. When, when when you don't go to a church and you don't get a word you don't get a Bible. You, look, this is what you got to receive. You got to receive the word of God. You have to receive a word from God. That's what the Holy Ghost is going to empower. That's what the Holy Ghost is going to empower. How many of you know that it's, it's the word of God? It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, we can stand up. Oh. We, we've fallen so short in our generation. You know, it is, it is faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what we need in our generation. Amen. But we've sold our, our generation short. We've gypped them. I was thinking about this earlier, we, we would rather have a, 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 a sermon prop to do an illustration than to just wait five minutes and let the Holy Ghost, let the Holy Ghost produce a demonstration. You know, the when you see the Holy Ghost move through prophecy or tongues, you get a word of knowledge, You get you see somebody get healed or set free, delivered, a devil cast out, that's a demonstration of the power of God. That does so much more than somebody having a little mannequin and a little football with a goal and stuff and doing a sermon illustration about, you know, don't give up. What changes lives is a demonstration of the power of God. And what we need in the church world today is stop selling this generation short. They need to hear the word of God, unfiltered, unadulterated, and somebody help me, unchanged. You don't need to change the word of God. You don't need to change the word of God. The word of God is a lion. Amen. Let the word of God speak. Our generation needs the truth because the truth is what sets people free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. That's why our generation's in bondage because we've given lip service and we haven't given the generation the word of God. People need to receive the word. You need to receive the word. I need to receive the word. I can't get to a place where I'm all high and mighty and I, you know, I'm just this, this, this. I need to receive the word every day. I need a fresh word from God. I seek his face. My number one prayer is, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. My number one prayer when I pray for the church is, God, we need you. God, we need you. God, we need you. God, we need you. When was the last time you just cried out to God for help? say, God, I need you. I need you. Well, I don't need anything. I mean, I, I, I paid my Swebco bill. I've got clothes. I've got this. I've got that. Don't be a Pharisee. Remember the Pharisee? The, there was a guy over there, and he was praying, and he said, Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that guy. And that guy was over there saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Beating his chest. Why was he doing that? He knew he needed God. If you ever get to that place where you don't think you need God, you need more God, more God than you know. We have to get to that place where we just cry out, God, I need you. I need you. And then be ready to receive that word. Amen. You know, some people, they have a problem of, of of ever learning, but not coming to the truth. Timothy taught about false teachers and he said, you know, they're ever learning, but they're never able to come to the truth. They lead away people, you know, they do this, they do that. Sometimes you can get in a cycle of just learning and learning and learning and learning and learning and learning. But you never come to the end of yourself and you never give over to Christ. God never called you to be ever learning. He called you to come to truth. Jesus doesn't know the truth. He is the truth. He is the be all, end all. Amen? He is the object of our desire. I don't go to Jesus to see if I can learn a lesson from him. He is the object I come to. And from him, things happen. But he is the object of our faith. He is the author and the finisher of our faith, the perfecter of our faith. He is the one we come to. Many people are ever learning, though. Pastor, I need a word. I got a word for you. Jesus. Pastor, what's the word today? I need a new word. Jesus. He makes all things new. You need to be broken and contrite before him, and he'll do what you need. He'll perform in you what you need. If you're discouraged, he'll lift your eyes. He'll he'll remove those dark clouds. If you're not feeling good, he'll come and he'll bring that bomb from Gilead. Last I checked, he hadn't run out. Amen. If you're in bondage, he's got the keys to set you free. Amen. What's the word, Jesus? Turn with me to Galatians 4 real quick. Galatians 4. Paul was talking to a church that got off track. I'm glad I'm not talking to a church that got off track. Hallelujah. We a church on track. Some of us, we understand sometimes it's possible to get carried away with wrong things. The church in Galatia was getting led around by some Judaizers. Ah, oh, you got to do the Sabbath. You can't eat pork. You got to, you know, can't trim your beard. Can't do this. you bring bringing all the law. These people are out there. But it just represents someone deviating from the truth of the gospel. In Paul's prayer... He says in verse 17, Galatians 4 verse 17, these three verses right here, notice what he says. He says, they, how many of you know he's, he's talking about Judaizers, they zealously affect you. How many have you ever been around someone that's in, a, that's in a false system of faith? They are zealous because that's all they got. They don't have the power of new life. They don't have the power of God. They don't have freedom. They don't have truth. All they have is Well, my pastor did this, and my pastor did that, and my church does this, and my church does that. All they have is zeal according to the flesh. He says, they zealously affect you, but not well. Yet they would exclude you that you might affect them. Paul said this in verse 18. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And not only when I'm present with you, here's his prayer, my little children... Of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. What Paul's talking about here is not that they didn't know who Jesus was, but they didn't have the power of God in their life. They were falling under false teachings. They were falling under false ideas. They were, they were, um, they were lowering themselves to the surrounding teachings. And Paul said, you know what? You need the power of God in your life. And I'm going to travail in prayer until Christ is formed in you again. How many of you know someone that once served God is not serving God today? How many even you know someone that once was serving God, but now they're just teetering on the fence? They could go either way. They still name the name of Christ, but they don't know the power of God anymore. Sometimes we get into this place where we, we, we just look at them and we're like, I hope they get it, I hope they get it, I hope they get it. But what was Paul doing? He was travailing for them. He was travailing for them until Christ was formed in them again. What does it mean for Christ to be formed in them? That they received Jesus and were changed by the power of God. You see, once Jesus comes and lives on the inside, he'll, he'll move out all that false stuff. He'll move out addictions. He'll move out, you know, uh, crutches that you hang on to. He'll move out all the ungodly things. He'll just move it all the way out. But they needed Christ formed in them. You see, sometimes we can know about Jesus in pretense, but not in power. You can know about Jesus in pretense, but not in power. Well, I know he could. I know he healed the woman with the issue of blood. I know he healed her. You know it in pretense, but do you know it in power? Because I serve the same God that heals, I serve the same God that heals. Well, I know Jesus cast that devil out of the synagogue. You know, there was a guy in church and devils do come to church. That guy, he was in the synagogue. Jesus cast out a devil in the synagogue. You know it in pretense. But do you know it in power? Do you know the power of God will cast out a devil today? Amen. Oh, Zacchaeus, yeah, he was all messed up. He was a crook. He was a crook. He was worse than the IRS. He was a crook. He was just taken from people. And then, you know, Jesus met him and he changed. Yeah, you know the story in pretense, but do you know it in power? Do do you know that God can change crooks' lives today? All those Democrats. All those Republicans all oh, those this, all oh, those that, you know the power of God in pretense, but you don't know it in reality. You don't know it in power. You wouldn't be saying all oh, those Democrats, all oh, those Republicans, because listen, what they need is a touch from God. What they need is a touch from God. Everybody starts at a different place, but everybody's messed up. And and don't be sitting back going, oh, those this, oh, those that. I mean, that's what's wrong with the world. No, what's wrong with the world is you won't take the word of God under the anointing of God to those people. Because the power of God is available to change them just like he changed you. Get a hold of the power of God, not in pretense, but in reality. There's an inward work and an outward work that God wants to do in our generation. God wants in the inward. He wants to clean out all the ungodly things. Jesus said that ungodliness starts in the heart. Murder, adultery, all those things, they start in the hearts. And when the power of God comes into your life, you cannot have a house divided. You cannot be caught up in adultery, pornography, hatred, unforgiveness, bitterness, and the Holy Ghost setting up shop in your life at the same time. Amen. One's got to come and one's got to go. Amen. And we need to let go of those things so that we can receive Jesus. You cannot, listen to me very well, you cannot hold on to something ungodly. And hold hands with Jesus. He will come where you're at. He will meet you where you're at. But in order for you to go forward in God, you've got to let go. You've got to let go of your past. You've got to let go of your flesh. You've got to let go of your thing. That thing you do when nobody's watching. That thing you think when nobody's in your head. You've got to let go of those things so that you can go forward in God receive him receive all of him don't receive just sunday christianity don't receive it in pretense receive the power i want to tell you something real mm. i want to tell you something real, really i feel the spirit of god is speaking this right now but we're all gonna die now i'm not saying today you know we're all gonna die And on the day that you die, you better be ready. You better be ready because God's holy. Sloppy agape is not going to cut it on the day that you die. One thing cleansed by the blood of the lamb. Born again by the Holy Spirit of God. I want to tell you, some 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 of us in here today, we need to let some things go so that we can be ready to die. Because that day's coming. That day's coming for all of us. None of us knows when it is. But if you've got flesh and you've got blood in your flesh, there's a day that blood's gonna stop pumping. And you're not. Your soul's not going to go into an intermediate bubble. You're going to go to heaven or hell. And nothing unholy is going to go to heaven. Nothing unholy is going to go to heaven. So it's better to deal with those things now. It's better to say, search me, Lord. Search me, Lord. Like, Like David said, create in me, Lord, a clean heart. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. You can grieve God. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. Why do you think God wrote Ichabod above the the house of God? Because God can be somewhere and then leave. If he's grieved, he'll go. Don't quench the Spirit of God. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. Say, Lord, search me. Search me, Lord. I don't want to, I don't want to become this. I don't want to become that. I want to stay. I want to stay like, like that, that clay that you can mold and shape how you desire. You are the potter. I am the clay, Lord. Mold me, shape me, make me, break me, do what you need to do in me, but I want to be pliable for you. I want to be pliable for you. I want to receive you to myself so that you can do all that you need to do in me, use me, carry me, shatter me, do what you need to do. But I need you. I need you. Christ being formed in you brings you back to the beginning. Brings you back to the beginning. How many of you know that Jesus was anointed? i never met someone with, the, with the, the name prophet on their business card that didn't claim to be anointed. But Jesus is the anointing. Jesus is the anointing, guys. And I want to sh- share something with you real, real quick. I'm, I'm going to take you to two places. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4 real fast. I wasn't planning on going here, but I want to show you this. Luke chapter 4. Look what Jesus says here. He's quoting out of Isaiah in verse number 18. He picks up, we'll pick it up in verse 17. Luke chapter 4, verse 17. The reason I'm the reason I'm bringing you here is because we we need the power of God in our generation. And and when Jesus is received and that power is effectual, there's an inward and an outward work that the Holy Ghost does. Look what Jesus says here. It says in verse 17, there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. The eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. See, Isaiah prophesied Christ was going to come. And he was going to come with such an anointing that a gospel, the word gospel means good news. Do you know that you've been called to bring the gospel to people? The gospel is good news. People today are captive, they're in bondage, they're, they're broken, they're, they're hopeless right now, they're filled with devils, they've got battles with demons and depression and they live in darkness and we've got the good news. We've been given a job. We've got the good news. We have been filled with the Spirit of God. How many of you know that Jesus never lost the anointing and he's still as anointed today as he was that day? The anointing today is just as powerful as it ever was. My God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he was ever anointed, he's still anointed. And the anointing works today. It is the anointing that breaks yokes. It is the anointing that opens blind eyes. It is the anointing that heals sick people. It is the anointing that delivers the captive. And if Jesus was ever anointed, he's still anointed today. And my Bible tells me in John chapter 14 that if he goes away, that he and the Father would make their abode in those that love him and obey him. And if God lives inside of you, that same Jesus that was anointed on that day is living on the inside of you. And if you know someone that is held in bondage, if you know someone that is in a dark place, if you know someone that has been bound and afflicted by the devil if god lives in you there's an anointing in there that god wants to change somebody's life see that anointing is what does it he said the spirit of god who lives inside you come on you catechized folks come on you that know doctrine who lives inside you the spirit of god and what does he say? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What is that? That's the anointing of God. When you receive Jesus, you've received effectual power. That's what we just read. Paul Paul was telling the church in Thessalonica, he said, I thank God that you received our word, not as the word of men, but as the word of God, which is what? Able to bring that effectual power. It works. That effectual working power of God. How I many you know there's power, power, wonder-working power, right? In the blood. That blood is what bought you. That blood is what bought you. Now that, that's who lives inside you. That same God. That same God, amen. He lives inside you. So you know what? This is what I want you to see. There's a world hurt. There's a world hurting right now. Maybe even in the church there's some folks hurting. You know what you need? You need to come to my Bible study. No. You know what you need? You need to buy my book. Nope. You know what you need? You need to do a counseling session. Nope. You know what you need? You need to, you need to get a touch by the anointing of God. You need to receive Jesus, and you need a touch from the anointing of God. That's what you need. Listen, don't be discouraged. God changes lives. The anointing is what breaks yokes. The anointing is what destroys yokes. It is the anointing of God that our generation needs. You're not going to be able to talk to someone that don't even know what bathroom to use and talk them back into sanity. It's the anointing of God that's going to break off that delusion, cast off that devil, and get them in the right mind. But until the church operates under the anointing of God, we're not going to see a generation change. We're going to see a generation continue to go off the cliff. Don't let this message hit you in pretense because there's people in your circle of life that God wants to affect. You know, someone that's a drunk, you know, someone battling homosexuality, you know, someone that's dabbling in witchcraft, you know, someone that's got bitterness issues. You know, someone that's got this issue and God wants to use you to bring the good news to them. And I'll just tell the devil he's a liar right now because the day I got saved, I didn't think I needed good news. You ain't hardly you probably will never hear anyone tell you I need to hear the good news. The day I got saved, I didn't think I needed good news. I was happy in my darkness. I thought that's just the way it was. I was happy in my depression. I was happy in my addiction. But somebody had the audacity to bring good news to me that I didn't have to stay that way, that there was another way. Amen. The power of God to set people free. And I want you to know God wants to use you to bring good news to people, amen, that need it. The same Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus is the same Holy Spirit inside of you. And the same Holy Spirit that set the captive free when Jesus walked this earth is the same Holy Spirit that will change a generation. Your children. Your grandchildren. Amen. You think you're going to reason with them? We, We can't even talk right. Amen. We can't even even talk right. We can't even connect through a conversation. It's awkward. It's this, it's this, it's this. We need the anointing of God. God breaks barriers. God breaks down walls. God God can remove those barriers from one generation to another. And that's what our world needs. I want you to know, everybody is like, oh, the world's going to hell. Well, it is but we're here on mission. We've got a mission and we've got something better. We've got something better. We've got God. Amen. I told you this a few weeks ago. You know, you can talk all you want to about the devil and he's got one third of the fallen angels and they went down to this and they're doing this and all these fallen angels. Look, we've got the fallen angels outnumbered two to one. He's got one third. We've got two thirds. Let's duke it out. We got them outnumbered. God's on our side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? How many of you know someone in your life that needs God? Can I tell you something? God wants to save them. God wants to save them. God wants to save them. If you know someone that's in a hopeless situation, you know someone that's like, You know, I don't need God. That's a hopeless situation, right? Okay. I know a God who changes hard hearts. I know a God who changes hard hearts. I know a God who takes out the the heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh. He does. That's who my God is. The sad reality is a lot of people, a lot of people have lost sight of the fact that the holy spirit has has been sent to empower the church. Let me close in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Our generation needs a touch from God. Our generation needs the reality of God. You need the reality of God. Listen, I want you to hear this well. If you continue going down a road without the power of God in your life, you're going to get tired. If you continue living without the power of God in your life, you're going to get worn out if you continue going through the motions and, and and not having the active, dynamic power of God, the anointing of God in your life, your strength will fail. You were never intended to live on this side of the cross without the power of the Holy Ghost. You were never intended to live Christianity without the power of God. God never did, never thought one minute That you would operate as a Christian without the Holy Ghost. Not for one minute. And we have whole denominations that operate that way. But God, when he poured out the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, he is the promise of the Father. He said he was going to send a comforter, a teacher, one to abide, one to empower, one to give you all that you need in this life. And God never, ever thought of the Christian church to live without Pentecost, ever. Even Paul, when Paul, Paul found some believers, they didn't have the Holy Ghost. They weren't baptized in the Holy Ghost. They didn't, and, and Paul said, well, have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost since you believe?" And they were like, well, we hadn't heard of this baptism of the Holy Ghost. We just know the one about John. Notice what Paul said. Have you been baptized since you believed? You've believed. You accept Christ, but you don't have the Holy Ghost. God never, de- never designed Christianity to be operated without the Holy Ghost. Before Jesus, and I got to say this for a reason, before Jesus bodily, Resurrected from the tomb and bodily ascended into heaven with his body. His resurrected body. Before he did that, he gave the church a charge in Acts chapter one. He said in verse number seven. How many of you know when we, we I love prophecy? I love eschatology, but eschatology can be summed up in these simple words. He's coming back. Period. He said in verse number seven, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father has put into his own power. But you shall receive. That's your word for the day. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. What happens after the Holy Ghost comes on you? What happens after the Holy Ghost comes on you? Power. After the Holy Ghost comes, He empowers. Where the Holy Ghost is, He brings power. Power. Wonder-working power. Amen? There's power. See, you don't have to stay the way that you are. If you're battling an addiction, if you've got pride, unforgiveness, if you're a drunk, if you're addicted to pornography or marijuana, or you've got a problem with envy or whatever, I want you to know you don't have to stay that way. There's power in in God. Power. And I'm going to flip this. I don't know, maybe tonight, but you don't need to be given up on a generation because the same power that's available to change you is the same power that can change a generation. You've got to come to the truth and receive it. And so do they, but nothing's going to change until you receive it. And nothing's going to change until they receive it. Notice the order. You shall receive power. The reason why many people are living a sub-victorious life is because they won't receive the Holy Ghost power. If you can walk in victory without the Holy Ghost, you've got a new one on God. Quiet in this church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That means we're getting somewhere. We only got another couple hours. Just hang tight. I'm teasing. But but, but I want, what I want you to see is the order. Receive power. How many of you want to receive power today? Amen. Amen. I can't do this. Neither can you. And there's things the devil will trick you, the devil will lie to you, and make you think you're okay when you're not. You need the power of God. It says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Then Jesus, quote, bodily ascended into heaven. But the part I want you to see is that the Holy Ghost is given to those that receive him. Welcome, Holy Spirit. He's given to those that receive him. Just like when you get saved, you get saved by faith, you receive the Holy Ghost by faith. And the thing I want you to see is, first, there's an inward work of power. There will be power in you to live in victory. But then God wants you to go to Samaria. Then God wants you to go to others. See, God's going to bring the power of God to you so that you can be who God wants you to be. Then God's going to send you to others so that they can likewise. Don't sell yourself short of victory and don't sell this generation short of victory. Let God do what he needs to do in you and then turn around and go tell this generation the word of God so that they can receive Jesus for themselves. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up and we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the power of God that's available to produce change. If you're able to stand, stand. If not, you can just, that's fine. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you today that the power to change rests in the anointing of God. And Lord, I pray for your people here today that not one person would be living a a life short of the power of God. Lord, some of us in here today, we've struggled with issues and we're almost at wit's end. And Lord, I just thank you for the simplicity of the word of God, the simplicity of the truth that you died on the cross for our sins, that you rose from the dead on the third day, and that you've sent the Holy Ghost to empower us so that we can be faithful to you and faithful to this generation. Lord, I pray this morning that not one person, not one person, Lord, would not know the power, God, available. If you're here today and you're at wit's end because you just need a fresh touch, that anointing of God. You've been battling an issue on your own. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I can pray with you. If that's you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You Say, I'm at wit's end. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know where else to turn. I'm trying really hard, but I need help. Slip up your hand if that's you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Several hands lifted up in the house of God today. Lord, we've come here to tell you that we need you. We need you. Lord, I thank you for the humility of those that lifted their hands. I thank you, Father, that you hear our cry. Lord, even this lifting of our hands is an act of faith because we're telling you, Lord, that we need you. We've come to a place this morning, Lord, where we realize we cannot do this in our own strength, but we need your help. Lord, I thank you for the word of God that is going forward today. I pray, Lord, that each and every person would receive it and be empowered by it. And, Lord, I ask that you would bless, bless, Lord, and anoint and equip and empower those, Lord, In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to come to the altar, whether you lifted your hand or not. Altars are where things come to die. If you need to go let go of something, if you need to just pray a prayer of renewal, dedication, whatever it is, come to these altars. If you need prayer for healing, deliverance, salvation, whatever it is, I'll pray with you right here at the front. We're going to open up our altars right now. And I believe God's going to meet you. If you tell God you need him, if you'll tell God this simple prayer, God, I need you. If you'll tell God that today, I believe he'll meet you right now. Thank you, Jesus.